Welcome to Hauser Community Church Online. Let's join Pastor as the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts and unpacks the Word of God for us. After the message, we'll tell you how to contact us. For the rest of you, if you will, uh, go ahead and if you're not already there, turn to Acts 18. It's a good lesson. If I don't know what it is, I'm going to toss it, so. (laughs) Uh, Well, good morning, church. Evangelism. Just hearing uh, the word alone makes some of us squirm in our seats. I think, oh. For some of you, it creates a picture in your minds of uh, street preachers, of altar calls, of uh, big tent revivals, door-to-door presentations. Uh, Some of you have already tuned out uh, to this sermon because you realize you have already determined that is not my gift. Uh, I don't have to worry about that. But evangelism, at, a, at its very basic level, is just teaching the gospel with the aim to persuade. Uh, that is all it is. I, and I believe, as Christians, we all desire for people to come to know the Lord. We want them to be saved, but we, just, we struggle with evangelism because of fear. We, we are afraid, and we think, what is going to happen to me? Um, What will people think of me? Uh, What if I say the wrong thing? What if I mess this message up? What if I lose my job? what we're going to see today uh, is that those fears, they arise in us because we're focusing on the wrong thing. We have our minds set on the wrong thing, and that creates within us fear. When I was in, uh, lived in Germany, uh, when Nikki and I first got married, I became friends with a guy who was a rock climber. Uh, he was there with the navigators, and he invited us to go rock climbing, and, and I agreed to go rock climbing with him, but I had this problem with rock climbing. I'm really afraid of heights. Um, so like bouldering, which is under 15 feet, that's great, but what we were doing, much higher than that. Uh, and when I get up high, I get to this point in my hands and my feet, they cramp up, and I just kind of stop. Um, and, and that's not really helpful when you're rock climbing that you can't use your hands and feet. But I went, I started my ascent, I'm climbing up this uh, side of a mountain or a, a cliff, and I got to that point where I'm afraid. I can't go any further. My hands are starting to cramp up, my feet, they start to hurt, and the guy belaying me, he starts to speak to me. He starts saying, I've got you I'm, I'm on the rope. The rope is tight. I, I'll pull it a little tighter so that you can feel it on the harness that you're wearing. I'm on the other end. I'm not going to let you fall. And even if you do slip, you will not fall. I have you. And I started walking. Or started not walking. I started climbing rock by rock, nervous, shaking. Uh, but I started doing it, and I made it all the way to the top. But if I did not trust him... If at that moment I said, nope, this is too scary, I want to come back down, I would have never made it to the top. I would have never climbed that rock. And evangelism is a lot like that. Uh, We get to the point where we believe as Christians, I know I need to tell people about Jesus Christ. I know that's true. Jesus tells me I need to do it, and I need to do it. 
But if I do not trust him, uh, if I don't take the next step, I will never make it to the top. I will never evangelize. I will go out with that in mind, but if I allow fears to come over me, to paralyze me, I will not tell people of Jesus. So what we're going to see in the text today is that since Jesus is the one building his kingdom, he's the one that all of this uh, rides on, he's the one that is building the church, we can share the gospel without fear. Jesus is right there with us. He's saying, as we heard in the text, as Sarah read it, do not be afraid, but go on speaking. Do not be silent. I am with you. I have many in this city who are my people. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to take a look at those fears that freeze us. And then we're going, to, we're going to hear the voice of Jesus and speaking into those fears. And then we're going to hear the call to move forward in fearless evangelism. <clears throat> so we'll first start with the things that create fear within us. As we've seen, we've gone through Acts, it's been very evident, it's, it's been very obvious that persecution is a, a major theme in the early church. So look at the text with me, Acts 18, starting in verse 1, we read that after this, Paul left Athens and he goes to Corinth and he found a Jew named Aquila and a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome, and Paul went to see them. So this is constant fighting against the gospel. Uh, from the moment of the resurrection, before the resurrection, actually, as Jesus is proclaiming uh, the good news, he is fought against, and then it just starts to increase. It starts to increase more and more and more. It's reached all the way to Rome, we see here in our passage. Uh, the reason Claudius asks the Jews to leave Rome is because they are rioting against a man named Crestus, which scholars believe that is just a way, they, either they mispronounced Christ for Jesus Christ, or they were referring to the Latin of Christ. So it, persecution has left Jerusalem and made it all the way to Italy, and people and Jews and Christians are being persecuted, we see Paul in this passage. He's being opposed and reviled again in verse 6. We see him dragged before Galileo in verse uh, 12 and 13. So we see that Paul, even he's been stoned already. He's been drug out of the city. He's been fought against. Uh, he will go to prison soon. He will lose his head later on in life. So there is a constant persecution against the good news of Jesus Christ. And we see that when the Jews can't accuse Paul here in this passage, they just go and grab Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and they beat him in front of the, the pre-consul or the tribunal uh, without any legal repercussions. So there's this constant oppression. There's this constant persecution. And in a lot of us, that creates within us fear, we may not have persecution like that in that way here in America yet, yet. <laughs> but we do see persecution in different ways, in many ways in the church today. Christians are asked to leave cities, homes, 
friends, family, especially in Muslim communities, they're asked to, you can no longer be part of us. Here locally in Mormon and Jehovah's Witness communities, you can no longer be a part of us because you proclaim Jesus is the Christ. Christians are opposed and reviled constantly as they proclaim Jesus. There are times of physical persecution, especially in other countries. There's uh, Islamic extremism. There's communist oppression. There's clan uh, brutality among clans. So the persecution is, is real and active. And what it is seeking to do, church, is elicit fear in your hearts so that you keep your mouth shut. That's what it wants. You just be quiet. You just don't tell anyone of Jesus. Move on with your business. But that's not the case for Aquila and Priscilla. They've left Italy and they come to Corinth. They were part of that, building up that church. They leave Corinth. They go to Ephesus. And we see later, Paul says, uh, Priscilla and Aquila, they're going to greet you. They're my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They participate with Paul in the ministry. We know it doesn't stop Paul. He just keeps ministering. When they throw him in jail, he just ministers there. He just plants churches. He raises up leaders. Even Sosthenes, we see, who's dragged and beaten before the tribunal, maybe even kicked out, I don't know. Uh, We see that he in Corinthians 1.1 not up there, I guess. Um, it says that he, Paul is writing this letter back to the Corinthians with this man. He didn't give up. He didn't stop uh, preaching the good news. He kept moving forward. So the question for us, church, is, is it persecution that creates fear in us that makes us stray away from telling people about Jesus Christ? Is it persecution on a small level? Uh, I don't want people to think I'm a weirdo. Or on a major scale, I don't want to lose my my life. Is persecution the fear that freezes you? Or is it evangelism, evangelizing alone, that causes fear in you? Look at verse 3. And because Paul was of the same trade, he stayed with Aquila and Priscilla and worked. For they were tent makers by trade. Paul, if you think about his, his ministry, he does not minister alone. Hardly ever is he alone. He's always finding partners in the gospel. We've seen Barnabas, Silas, Timothy, John Mark. Even though they had a disagreement, they still minister together. Peter, Aquila, and Priscilla. We just saw in the passage there in Romans 16.3. While evangelism, it can be individual. You can go. Maybe that's your gift to go and talk to people alone. It does not have to be, and nor should it always be. We should be evangelizing together. Uh, J. Max Stiles, who's a pastor, he says that communal evangelism, uh, it helps us to hold one another accountable. We say, hey, let's do this together. We are called to do this. Let's evangelize together. We're strengthening our mutual goal. We want to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ together. We're learning from one another. We're rejoicing together. We're weeping together when someone doesn't turn to the Lord. And we're bonding together through this shared experience of telling people the good news of Jesus Christ. But alone, we're much more easily given to fear. 
we're much more likely, <clears throat> excuse me, to give up. So we need to ask ourselves, is my fear and evangelism coming from trying to accomplish this by myself? Is individual evangelism the fear that freezes you? Now, how about most of us or many of us? My fear is I don't know what to say. Verse 4, Paul reasons in the synagogue every Sabbath. He's trying to persuade the Jews and the Greeks. And we've seen that over and over. And, and we look to Paul and we say, man, if I could just proclaim the gospel like Paul, then I would be okay. Uh, he never seems like he's at a loss for words. He always knows what to say. If I could just be bold like that, or if I was just educated like Paul, he's, he says uh, later on in Acts, I'm a Jew educated at the feet of Gamaliel according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, zealous for God as all of you are this day. He's very educated. If I was just educated more, I could share the word like Paul. If I could just write like him, he's written most of the New Testament, I could share the word of God. But listen to his words in 1 Corinthians, as he's reflecting back on the passage uh, in Corinth, or his visit in Corinth, he says, and I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in a demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might rest not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That's the Apostle Paul saying, I was shaken in my boots sharing the gospel with you. I am sick to my stomach every Sunday when I get in this pulpit. But it is not for us. Fear, I get fear. But the Lord is with us. Is your fear of evangelism coming from not feeling equipped? Is it not knowing what to say? Is that the fear that freezes you? Or is it finances? Paul, he has to work. We see in verse 3, he's working, uh, making tents by day and only sharing on the weekends in his free time. I'm sure he was sharing the rest of the week, but that's what he says when he's persuading. It makes it a little more difficult for us to share day to day to, to evangelize, but it is very possible to do if that's what you have to. Or... Have finances become too important to you? Where your work consumes everything. Your, your, your striving to make money consumes all of your spare time. And that is also fear. FOMO, as the kids would say today. The fear of missing out. Some people are like, I think he just said a bad word up there. Or perhaps... You're going into the ministry. You're being called as a missionary, but fear of finances are stopping you. 
I spent many years running from the call to be a pastor. I said, no, Lord, I don't know that you've seen my bank account. I need to take care of my family needs. I need to find, figure out what this is going to look like financially before I can follow you. I get that, church. But our Father owns it all. He can provide for us. We see in Psalm 50, 12, if I were hungry, God is saying, I wouldn't tell you. For the world and its fullness are mine. In Deuteronomy, he says, Behold, to the, uh, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth and all that is in it. So ask yourself this morning, am I neglecting to share the good news of Jesus Christ because finances have created this fear in my heart? Am I neglecting the gospel Because finances are too important to me. Are finances the fear that frees you? Or maybe your fear is rooted in discouragement. Look back at the text, verse 5. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and he said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I'm innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there and he went to a house of a man named uh, Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent. Paul has spent a a great amount of time ministering to the Jews, his own people, and they are rejecting him, opposing him, reviling him. You can hear in Romans his broken heart over the people of Israel. I am speaking the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh." Discouragement breeds fear. It starts making us think no one is responding to the gospel. Or the people I'm trying to reach are not responding to the gospel. What if no one ever responds to the gospel? And that fear starts to eat at us and lead us away from proclaiming the gospel. It leads us to giving up. Discouragement comes even in the light of successful ministry. Paul, he sees this house come to know the Lord. He sees many Corinthians come to know the Lord and they're baptized. But the Lord still has to come to him in a vision at night and say, Do not be afraid. Do not be silent. Keep going. The Lord still has to come and encourage him. And we could be seeing people come to know the Lord, but the ones that we're trying to reach are not coming to him. Believer, ask yourself, uh, has, has discouragement bred fear in my heart? That it's caused me to throw up my hands and say, you know what, I'm just gonna take care of myself. I'm gonna give up. 
Is discouragement producing fear that freezes you? So fear, it often comes from the unknown. Uh, We don't evangelize because we've forgotten who we are. We've forgotten who God is. our, Our eyes have been shifted to somewhere else. We don't know what we have been equipped with to share the gospel. So let's take a look at things that destroy these fears in our lives. Look at verse 9. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid. Go on speaking and do not be silent. For I am with you. No one will attack you to harm you. For I have many in this city who are my people. First, as we look at this text, we see that fear is destroyed in the presence of our holy God. As we've seen fear, it starts to come um, as we are consumed with what's right before us, what we are being told by others, what others are thinking of us, what they are doing to us, and we're consumed with what's right before our eyes. When we're speaking to a stranger, a friend, or a family member, when we're facing a crowd, when we're sharing the good news at the South Coast Gospel Mission, when we're engaging a person on the seat right next to us in an airplane, we feel that, that we see them, they're right here, that's what I'm afraid of. But in, that, in those moments, we need, to, we need to hear these words that the Lord spoke to Paul. Do not be afraid. Go on speaking. Do not be silent. Notice he tells him, don't be afraid. Don't be silent. You, you keep going. And then he uses this very important word. It's, it's very critical. For. He doesn't say, go speak and don't be silent because you're awesome, Paul. He says, I am with you. The reason Paul can go on, the reason he cannot be silent is because Jesus Christ is with him. And he tells the same thing to Joshua in Joshua 1:9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be frightened. Don't be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He tells Elijah the same thing in 2 Kings 1.15. He tells Elisha the same thing in 2 Kings 6.16. He tells the servants of Hezekiah the same thing in Isaiah 37. Jeremiah, he says, oh Lord, I can't do that. I'm just a young guy. He says, I made your mouth. I know who you are. I created you in your mother's womb. Go tell people what I'm telling you to tell them. I'm with you. And Jesus tells the disciples at the end of Matthew, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So we can rest assured that when the, when the Lord calls his people, when he saves you, he remains with you. Allow that to wash over you. Allow that to encourage you. And we want to focus on, but he says, but he won't be harmed, Lord. Uh, Paul loses his life not too long from there. He keeps his promise. He's not harmed. But the promise is never to be physically safe in this life, but eternally secure. Listen to Jesus' words as he prays in John 17. He asks the Father, I don't ask you to take them out of the world but to keep them from the evil one. He's protecting us 
no matter what happens to this flesh, he's protecting us. Because even if we're martyred, we are with Christ forever. I am with you always. And that's his ultimate prayer in John. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am. To see my glory that you've given me, because you love me before the foundation of the world. So how is fear destroyed in the presence of a holy God? First, we're eternally secure. So no matter what happens in this life, we're kept in the presence of Christ. Paul, again in Romans, and those whom he predestined, he called. Those whom he called, he justified. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He's saying because he has done the whole process, he is keeping us, saving us, calling us. Because of that, who can be against us? God is for us. I don't need to have fear. Second, our Lord stands with us in prayer. As we saw in John 17, Rick mentioned it last week. Robert Murray McShane, he once wrote as he's reflecting on Jesus praying for him. He says, if I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Yet distance makes no difference. He is praying for me. Church, we have that. As in that moment, I'm feeling fear. I have to know, you have to know, Jesus Christ is interceding for you, praying for you. We have no reason to fear a million enemies. Third, our victorious king, he came and successfully destroyed the works of Satan. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the work of the devil. We're not alone in evangelism. We have the Almighty God, the power of the cross, right with us. And you see, fear creeps in because we can see people right in front of us. It creeps in because we feel persecution in our flesh, our emotions. But faith starts to destroy that fear because the Lord says, I am with you. I am with you. Church, we have to ask ourselves, do I believe that? And if I believe that, then I need to start preaching that word to myself every single day. He is with me. I need to start asking the Lord, ignite that in my heart so that you burn off the dross of unbelief and you leave behind pure faith. And ask the Spirit, increase my, my belief and reduce my unbelief. Help me to see you and not my fear. And the fear of evangelism, secondly, is destroyed by the promise of the sovereign God. Look at verse 9 again. The Lord says to Paul, one night in a vision, do not be afraid, go on speaking, do not be silent, for I am with you. No one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. So as Paul's preaching, tension starts to build, starts to rise, rejection starts to increase. It seems that people are not turning to the Lord. It seems like the Jews have completely rejected him. 
But Jesus steps in and says, keep going. I have a lot of people in this city. I have a lot of people in this city who are my people. He has plans. Jesus has plans for the church in Corinth. Stay here, he says. You keep going. You keep preaching. And Paul believes that. And for a year and six months, six months, teaches the word of God among those people because he believed that promise. You see, God is sovereign in his grace. His grace is sufficient to turn even the most vile sinner towards him. The city of Corinth was disgustingly sinful. We think, man, have you seen America? No, we have not seen Corinth. But he plants his church there and many turn to Jesus. God's sovereignty is what gives us confidence in evangelism. So I can go and preach. I can't change one heart in this room, but Jesus Christ can. Much of the fear of evangelism is the fear of, I'm going to fail. But that's trusting in my own ability. All our work would be in vain if it was not dependent on the Lord, if it was only depending on my work. But if we believe that Jesus is the one who changes the heart, he's the one by his power of the Holy Spirit who changes the rock hard heart to a heart of flesh, then our evangelism becomes a participation in the sovereign plan of God. And similar to Acts 18, Jesus says in John, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I will bring them in also, and they will listen to my voice. There will be one flock and one shepherd. So believer, keep sharing Christ. Keep sharing the gospel because it is certain to save his people. So now we're ready. We're ready to fearlessly evangelize. So how do we start? First, we need to be in a community of believers. We have to be with a community. If we see again in verse three, Paul finds Aquila and Priscilla and he starts to minister with them. Community is where you learn the gospel. Community is where you practice the gospel. Community is where you hear the call and you're spurred on to share the gospel. Community is where you group up with other believers who are sharing the gospel and you say, can you teach me what you're doing, how you are telling people of Jesus? If our fear is destroyed in Christ, then it is in his body, the church, that we're built up, where we're equipped, where we're sent. That is fearless evangelism, and that begins in community. Second, be faithful in your work. Paul goes, he makes tents, and he reasons in the synagogue. You may be called to work day by day outside of the church, but share the gospel faithfully in your workplace, on your days off. That's fearless evangelism. Whatever that looks like, it's going to look different at many jobs, but you can still share Christ. You may be called to full-time ministry. Set your heart fully to that calling. That's fearless evangelism. Be supportive of one another in the work, or others' work in the gospel. Look at verse five. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, 
Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ, or that the Christ was Jesus. It seems like a pretty obscure verse, but Silas and Timothy, when they returned from Macedonia, what they have been doing is raising funds for Paul to minister. They brought funds from other churches to support what Paul was doing in Corinth and beyond. So we see in 2 Corinthians, when I was with you, I was in need. I didn't burden anyone for the brothers who came from Macedonia, Timothy and Silas, supplied my need. So I refrained and will refrain from burdening you in any way. And he goes on in Philippians 4. In the Philippians, you yourselves know that beginning at the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. So we see the Philippians are the ones who help Paul minister the gospel. We don't have their names. We just have a church in Philippi. But we know that they were partnering with Paul to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. We have missionaries here today who are going to speak, and they are supporting, we have been supporting them financially as a church. That's you, church. As you tithe, you are helping them share the gospel to the ends of the earth. As we went to the Philippines, as I'll go to Belize soon, uh, you are partnering with me, helping me train pastors so that they can go and share the good news all across the world. That is multiplication of the gospel, church. That's fearless evangelism. That you would give, sacrificially give of your money in a world that says, save your money, save your money, don't do anything with it, or do whatever you want with it for your own desires. Finance this, uh, finance your future, finance your retirement, and you are saying in that moment, I am going to invest in the eternal kingdom of God. That's fearless evangelism. And be consumed with the word. Fearless evangelism is occupied. We see Paul is occupied in verse 5. He's consumed with, absorbed in the word of God. He's absorbed with everything that he is doing from that point on is all about the word. All about the gospel. Constantly thinking what he can do. And we need to be the same way. At work, constantly thinking, how can I each and every day share Christ? How can I live for Christ? Digging in my Bible and applying it daily. Digging into books that teach me how to evangelize so that I can apply it daily. Ensuring that you are in church and being fed. Church, we need to be consumed by the word so that it's what oozes out of us every moment of every day. And be innocent. Paul says, I am innocent. Your blood is on your own heads. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. But we need to be innocent in that we have shared the gospel in word and deed clearly, lovingly with those around us. We need to be innocent in the sense that we have shared the gospel constantly. We have been very proactive in sharing the word of God And be very innocent that we have clearly presented the gospel. 
Not only the grace of God and salvation, but the consequence of wrath, of rejecting the Son of God. Paul says, I, your blood is on your own heads. I'm innocent. This is pronouncing a curse that I am no longer responsible for the wrath that comes on you. I've shared the message of Christ with you. So church, acknowledge your fears of evangelism this morning. We all have them. Uh, Some of us are extroverts. We have no problem talking with anyone at any time. But we still have fears in in our hearts. In the next song, I would have you... Spend time in prayer. Spend time searching your heart. Uh, Come pray with me if you want to. I'll be up here. Confess uh, your lack of faith and, and ask, Lord, would you please increase my faith? Would you please help me evangelize? Would you please help me tell others of Jesus? And make a commitment this morning. Commit to developing a plan. If that means uh, just praying right now, do that. Lord, help me to evangelize. If that means just having someone over for dinner and you're not sure how you're going to inject Jesus into that conversation, you're just going to love like Jesus did, do that. If, if it means talking to someone you don't know, do that. If it means just attending a small group so that you can start being equipped for the work of the ministry, do that. But let's leave here today with a renewed zeal for sharing the good news of Jesus Christ in a thousand different directions. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your mercy, for your grace. We thank you for your sovereignty in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, that you are saving your people. Lord, we ask you as a church that You would forgive us where we've failed to go to our neighbors and and go to um, our families and friends and display the love of Christ, share the gospel in word and in deed. And we ask, Lord, that that you would help us, that you would start building boldness in our hearts, that you would start growing confidence in us so that we can evangelize for your glory. We thank you. We thank you that we don't have to do this by ourselves. We thank you that you say, I'm giving you my spirit so that you can be my witnesses uh, here and around here and all the way to the ends of the earth. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us at Hauser Community Church Online. Check back next week for the next Unpacking of the Word of God. Please feel free to contact us with any questions you might have about the message or for pastor at area code 541-756-2591 or email us at pray at hauserchurch.org. Again, that's P-R-A-Y at H-A-U-S-E-R-C-H-U-R-C-H dot O-R-G. Our address is 69411 Wildwood Road, North Bend, Oregon. 97459. Remember, if you're seeking the truth, it will set you free. And that truth is Jesus Christ.